Welcome to Quick Hits, the only podcast that gets you smartinized. Today's episode, Trumponomics. You don't hear the suffix onomics applied to a lot of presidents. It started with Reaganomics, and people still use that quite often to refer to what they believe Reagan's economic policies were and how they succeeded or failed. But you never heard Bushonomics. It's kind of a bad-sounding word, really. I've heard Clintonomics, but not a lot. It was tossed out a little bit here and there, but it wasn't widely used, certainly nothing on the level of Reaganomics. And one that I never heard, and it's a real shame, is Obamanomics. Now, I'm sure somebody else out there came up with it and used it somewhere, but it certainly wasn't common or certainly wasn't anything that I ever came across. And that's really too bad because it has such a cool sound. Obamanomics. You can... Imagine James Earl Jones saying it, Obamanomics. It sounds good if you say it fast, or if you say it slow, Obamanomics. Obamanomics. You can have fun with it, and yet we never used it. What a shame. But, as usual, I digress. I'm here to talk about Trumponomics, specifically two different things that show us what his knowledge of economics really is, what level it's at. The first is the tariffs. He wants a 30% tariff on Chinese aluminum and steel. Now, we make an awful lot of things out of aluminum and steel, and increasing the cost of those imports by 30%, that's a huge hit. And this is, of course, to protect the steel industry here, Supposedly, they can't compete with what's going on over there, and this cheap steel is killing them. But the effects of tariffs are very widespread, almost impossible to calculate how widespread they are. And most economists disagree on just about everything, right? If you've got four economists and you ask them, how does this work? Or, what's the best solution to this problem? You're going to get six different answers. Answers in meticulous detail. But one thing all these disagreeable folks can agree on, and it really doesn't matter whether they're Keynesians or Chicago school or Austrians, whatever school they are, right, left, center, they'll all tell you tariffs are a really bad thing. And Donald doesn't just want to do steel and aluminum. In fact, the list of things that he wants to put this tariff on, or these various other tariffs on, is 58 pages long. It includes all kinds of consumer goods. And this is just a proposal. It hasn't been solidified yet. But things like stoves and ovens of all kinds, evidently both commercial and ones for your house, any kind of machine parts, any machines used to make or repair clothes, any electronic equipment, heating and cooling equipment, construction equipment. That's 58 pages of stuff. 
Now, he's not going to get it all, but any that he gets is going to hurt. Now, sometimes that hurt is obvious. We're going to see it in an increase in the price of things that use a lot of steel, like cars, uh, things that use aluminum, like cars, and, and other things. Coors, for instance, announced that because a lot of their beverages are sold in aluminum cans, the price of the beer-like substance that they sell is also going to go up. You need a new refrigerator, or you need uh, your air conditioner fixed, or to put a new one in. All of this stuff, if he gets his way, it's going to be affected by the tariff. Let's put it in a little more concrete terms. Let's say you want to buy a TV for the bedroom. And you have $260 in your pocket. So you look around, you shop around, and you find one that you like, and it's $200, and you buy it. That store now has... $200 worth of income, which will go to pay their employees and their real estate costs and all kinds of things. The truckers that brought that TV to you, the manufacturer who made the TV, everybody gets a piece of the action when you make that purchase. You also send an important economic signal to everybody along that supply chain from the producer right on up to the store and that is hey this tv at this price point is something i will buy so other people will probably buy it too so you should keep making these you should keep stocking these well you had 260 dollars you spent 200 you take the 60 dollars that you have left and you go out for dinner maybe with a friend and you drop 60 dollars maybe a little more at the restaurant that money goes to the person who owns the restaurant, the cooks, the chefs, uh, the waiters, although, of course, you tipped your waiter, right? Because only a, a horrible person doesn't tip their waiter. All that money goes all the way down that chain. And by the way, the supply chain to restaurants is amazing. Having seen it firsthand, uh, having participated in it just a teeny tiny little bit, the way all that food gets to the restaurant before uh, it gets made into a meal for you to eat is a story in and of itself. So now your money has gone and helped a whole lot of people up and down the supply chains. And after dinner, you can go home and set up your TV and enjoy it. Same scenario after tariffs you've got the same 260 dollars in your pocket you go looking for tv but because of the 30 percent tax and it does help if you just think of tariffs as a tax because that's what they are an import tax because of that that tv is now 260 dollars maybe you look at that and you go you know i it's a little more than I wanted to spend. I, I think I'll pass. I think I'll do without. And so the store doesn't make any money. No signal is sent to the store or down the chain to the manufacturer that this is a product that 
people want at this price point, and nobody benefits from that decision, except, of course, you. You got an extra 260 bucks in your pocket. But let's say you really want the TV. And you say, you know, I'm, I, I hate this that I have to spend more money for it, but I'm going to spend the $260 and I'm going to get the TV. And you buy it. And then you go home and you make dinner because you don't have $60 to take to the restaurant. And that restaurant doesn't get that money to help stay in business and keep all of its suppliers and all the other people down the line in business as well. In fact, one of the first businesses to suffer when the economy starts turning down are restaurants, especially the mid-range to high-end restaurants, because that's something that's easy to cut out and can actually save you a lot of money. So that's one of the first places that suffers when the economy starts tanking. Now multiply this effect by hundreds of millions of transactions every single day. And a lot of these transactions, not all of them, but a lot of them are affected by an artificially increased price because of a tariff. Now you can see why it's a really, really bad idea. And we'll just have to see if he implements it or not. Example number two of Trump's understanding of economics. He did a series of about five tweets attacking Amazon for using the post office. In one of them, he said something to, I don't have it right in front of me here. I'm too lazy to look it up. He said something to the effect of, the United States Post Office isn't just going to be Amazon's delivery boy. Hold on a second. Isn't that exactly what the post office is supposed to be? A delivery boy? If they're being a delivery boy, they're doing their job. This is like going into a pastry shop and saying to the guy behind the counter, you baker, as if it's an insult. No, they're delivery boys. That's what they're supposed to do. Now, I don't know. If if I were the president, I would have smart people around me. And before going off on something, I would try to understand it a little better. So I didn't look like too big a fool. And I would have asked, how does Amazon use the post office? What kind of deals do they have? Are we losing money? Is Amazon taking unfair advantage of us? Well, they really can't because it would be a contract and the contract, if the contract is bad, then that's the post office's fault. Attempts to calculate whether Amazon helps or hurts the post office. Uh, There's been a lot of them out there and most of them seem to say, well, it's kind of, you know, uh, they help them out. They're, they're helping the post office turn a bit of a profit on the shipping. So let's say you go and you order something from Amazon or one of the other online retailers and you pay your money and then it shows up on your doorstep a little while later. Do you know how it got there? More importantly, do you care? You don't have to. 
right? You pay the money, and all these people who do stuff behind the scenes, you don't need to know the details of it. But I'm going to give them to you anyway, at least in one case, because it's something that I'm involved with. One of my little side hustles is uh, selling mugs with stuff written on them. And I do it on Amazon, and I do it on Etsy. And it works the same on either one. But I'm going to use Etsy as an example because uh, it's hard to find me on Amazon and fairly easy on Etsy, but it works the same way. So let's say you go to Etsy and you type in punchy products as one word in the search. And you go to the punchy products shop and you look at one thing that I just put up there recently and you go, ew, that's, that's gross. Nah, that's, that's a little too, oh, that's disgusting. I would never buy that for anybody or for myself. But you see something that you like. Maybe the travel mug that says, don't make me get all stabby. And you say, I want that. I'm going to buy it. And you buy it. Here's what happens behind the scenes. I get notified that you've made this purchase. And then I go and place an order with a factory that makes these things for me and for thousands of other people. And I say, make me that don't get all stabby travel mug and then ship it to this guy. They ship it directly to you. So the factory makes the thing and then it puts it on the back of a DHL truck. And the DHL truck takes it along with thousands of others and brings it to a central post office hub. They drop it off there, and the post office delivers it through the last leg. They refer to it as the last mile. It may be a lot more than a mile, but they do the final step of delivering it. Most of the distance is traveled by DHL. And DHL has a contract with the post office and the contract says that they have to sort them all neat and tidy, sort all the packages, and present them in such a way that makes it very easy for the post office to complete the delivery with a minimal amount of handling. And DHL pays the post office, and that's a deal that they have. It's a contract that they have. And they are not unique. There are many other shippers that do the same thing. So even if you bought it, on Amazon, Amazon didn't actually use the post office, but that order did go through the post office. So now you probably know more than you ever care to about shipping and drop shipping and how it works. There are some companies that deal exclusively with the post office. They just go right from the factory. The post office picks it up and it goes all the way to your house. There are others that do it in different hops, like the way that I described it. But overall, when the post office touches a package, they get paid to do it. And with people not sending letters anymore and not sending even postcards anymore, this is one of the things that helps keep the post office alive and helps them justify their existence. But Donald says, we're tired of being your delivery boy. This is a man who just has no idea about uh, most things, I guess.
Now, Trumponomics, there could be a lot more Trumponomics. I don't know. Maybe I'll do a Trumponomics 2 or 3 or whatever, depending on what he does and what he comes up with. And that's it for this episode of the Quick Hits Podcast. If you've learned a little something, if you've changed your mind, or even if you can just understand a different point of view without necessarily agreeing with it, congratulations. You've been smartenized. I made notes for this show a little over a week and a half ago. And had, you know, I, I, I don't write it, but I just, you know, I have a little outline with some things to make sure that I uh, cover what I want to cover. In that brief period of time, his lawyer's office has been raided. The porn star is now front page news. He's fired missiles into Syria. You, you, you just can't keep up with this boy. I mean, it's just an endless series of strangeness and disasters and near disasters, and it's just bizarre. And to those of you who laughed at third-party candidates, hey, bet you Gary Johnson doesn't seem so bad to you now, does he? Hey, I want to thank you folks uh, who are donating to Patreon. That's very cool. Helps giving me incentive to get these out a little more often oh and you can reach me at uh, daviddavehit.com and just be sure you put the word podcast in the title so it doesn't get spammed or ignored that's about it folks the only thing left to do is remind you that the quick hits podcast is little more than a journal of one man's opinion and therefore should not be taken too seriously